do you ever feel like no matter how perfect you are, how perfectly you do it all, it still doesn't quite turn out the way you want it to, doesn't feel right. Today, we have a conversation about how to shift from self-sabotage to self-love and to move beyond these ideas of right and wrong and perfection with our guest, Marcy Newman, who is an intuitive counselor and coach and a spiritualist minister. So join us to find out more. Before we start this episode, I, Carrie Hummingbird, and I, Akeem Sami, want you to know that you are invited. You're invited to, to join, join Soul Nectar, Nectar Tribe. If you like what you hear on Soul Nectar Show, you will love being in person with us in Soul Nectar Tribe. We invite you to check it out. First 30 days is free. Right now, go to carryhummingbird.com, K-E-R-R-I, hummingbird.com, forward slash membership, and sign up. We'll, we'll see, see you at our, our next tribe, tribe gathering. And now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Soul Nectar Show, that show where we talk about all things essence, where we gather around the campfire and we share our stories of connection with that which is bigger than us, to the great mystery beyond the veil, to those synchronistic moments that lead us inexorably towards a deeper understanding of ourselves, who we are, why we came here, what it's all about. I'm your host, Carrie Hummingbird, and I love these conversations week after week and coming together around the campfire just like our ancestors did years and decades, generations before, and we gather together again and we share our stories. And you know what's really on my heart today as we prepare to have a conversation uh, with our guest today, what's on my heart is this way that um, we can be saying what we desire and we can even maybe even speak it out loud and maybe even make plans towards it. And then what happens is that we have this setback or we don't quite achieve the way we thought we were going to achieve, or we feel even like maybe we're self-sabotaging. Is that even possible? Why would we do that to ourselves? Why would we keep ourselves what we truly desire? Why would we do that? And it's all having to do with this subconscious terrain. There's so much going on under the ocean of our awareness. We actually found out that through studying the gene keys that 98% of our brain is not online in the conscious way that we're here right now sitting, having a conversation. 98% of us is, is sort of in these subconscious waters, just sort of this ocean of awareness, this ocean of experience, human experience. Some of it's our ancestral, some of it is past lives, some of it is our current life. So much stuff going on in that space. And that is actually the 98% of what's driving our human experience. And the part that's speaking right now is the 2%. Isn't that amazing? So knowing that, how do we navigate this? How do we 
bring those two parts of ourselves together more integrated? And how do we move through this feeling of self-sabotage into what we actually desire, giving ourselves what we desire, that self-love? So today we have with us uh, Marcy Newman. Welcome, Marcy. Thank you so much, Carrie. I'm so happy to be here. I'm excited to have this conversation with you. So Marcy is an RN. She's a reverend. So many little three initials after her name. It's amazing. (laughs) She's an energy specialist, intuitive counselor, coach, spiritual minister, and certified hypnotherapist. And she's also a published author, creator, and of award-winning manifestation products, television, podcast hosts, and the founder of the selfloveuniversity.com. So she is here today to talk about this shifting from self-sabotage to self-love. And I'm quite sure that in this process, we'll learn about the technique known as heart shifting, recalibrating our heart based on our self-love. So tell us a little bit more, Marcy, about yourself and how you got even started in this inquiry to develop all these methods and to get all these three initials and all of this going on? Like, how did you Uh, hurt? So, you know, I think like all of us, we're always on the path, right? But I had definitely an awareness that I was on a different sort of path um, from my friends and other students, actually as a very young girl. And it's so amazing. You talked about past lives. I had a couple of spontaneous past life experiences and I thought everybody had them. And so as I was talking about them, people would, especially my friends, of course, you know, I was always getting teased and, oh, she's the weirdo. Don't ask her about that. You know, you won't be prepared for it. But anyway, so I've always had an interest in the metaphysical world because it was such a large part of mine. And then growing up as a teen, something very unique happened for me. And I became also like that go-to person. So the people who used to tease me started to come to me for my opinion on things because they knew that I had a different perspective. And of course, a lot of that had to do with relationships, boyfriends, girlfriends, all of that kind of thing. And then their parents started to come to me. So by the time I was a senior in high school, I was pretty well established already as someone that could be trusted number one, and someone also that would be truthful and give, you know, an honest perspective or honest um, answer to things. And like any other high school student, I think most of us anyway, I didn't really have a clue what I wanted to do, who I wanted to be. But I was getting a lot of pressure from my parents to pick something. And so I decided to go to nursing school. And the reason I decided to go to nursing school was that my cousin was in nursing school. And I visited her one weekend, had a great time at a party with all the med students and interns and said, all right, I'm going. Well, what we know is that there is so much that's orchestrated in our lives, right, that we're so unaware of. And you spoke so perfectly about that. And I went into nursing school feeling very intrigued on a lot of levels, but also very much aware that things were missing. 
And so while I was in nursing school, I also was privileged to be very close to a spiritualist church. And when I saw that they were offering an ordination program, I jumped at the chance. And so I was ordained as a spiritualist minister at the same time that I was in nursing school. So you're talking early 70s. So I've been in this work for almost 50 years, being, you know, really working as a liaison between the world of conventional healing and non-conventional or metaphysical healing. And like anyone else, there were some times that I was clearly on the path and other times that I wasn't. But what happened was, you know, I had a series of personal epiphanies where it was almost like the universe was throwing down the gauntlet and saying, all right, Marcy, this is it, come on. And I came to this very pivotal point where I recognized that so much of the life that I was living, I was living for everybody else trying to work through and trying to work out what everybody else expected of me, what my society, my culture, my family, my friends, what they all expected of me. And at the core of that, I had given up some really important parts of myself. One that's going to shock you, and that is at one point, I actually forgot that I had ever been ordained as a spiritualist minister. I forgot. And so, as you can imagine, those epiphanies were quite jarring because they needed to be. And the result was that I ended up walking away from nearly everything that had defined me for almost 30 years. Walked away from my marriage, my home, much of my family my friends, my job, my community, every single aspect of my life that would not welcome the parts of me that were crying to come forward, the parts that I put these little band-aids on to placate their voices, the parts of me, of course, that were seen as quite eccentric and unusual. And sometimes I would get a little pat on the head. Oh, there she goes. (laughs) And other times it was just like a rolling of the eyes. And there was so much of me that I contorted and lost. And I came to a day where I started to find myself again. And as I did take the steps to walk away from whatever separated me, from my true self. It was as if the universe just laid itself at my feet and the most miraculous things started to happen. Some of those were physical, medical issues that I had had for years just disappeared. So much of it was my sense of self, my sense of who I was, and it was so different from who I'd been trying to convince myself of who I was. But in this laying itself at my feet, I started, of course, to see the world for different eyes. The lens that I was looking through was different. And when that happened, my entire world shifted, and I truly started to become 
the person, the being, the spirit, the multidimensional aspect of consciousness that I was meant to be. And I've never looked back. What a powerful story. And I'm sure that people listening can relate to different aspects of things that you shared, you know, about living the false life and developing the false personality and doing things just because other people liked it or approved of it, or it was the approved established way of success. And, and then having these moments of forgetting yourself or what actually lights you up and and that decision to leave it all, you know, that is uh, something that uh, my teacher, former teacher, and Alberto Vialdo calls the great departure. You know, it's yeah. like we make this big departure. We walk away from the structures that we conform to out of the desire to belong, but it didn't actually feel ever correct. Like it wasn't the total answer of who we are. It was a, just a an experience that we were going through. I feel to discover, to realign to who we actually are. But in order to get there, we have to leave the stuff that we did because we thought that was the way to get belonging. And there's a different belonging to the heart. There's a different belonging through the spirit and the soul. I mean, I feel like we do set ourselves up to have this forgetting experience and go through this this sort of false life in order to have all of those um, embodied experiences without the knowledge of our soul. And then at some point, we're guided to just leave all that, you know, it seems yeah. so dramatic, you know, especially as a mother, as a wife, you know, as like yeah. a part of the family is, I mean, to walk away. And, uh, I did that. So what was the reaction of people when you did that? Well, they thought I was insane. First of all, you know, I was living the idyllic life from everybody else's point of view. I had everything and anything anybody could ever want materially. I was a pillar of the of society that we lived in. My kids were in, you know, Ivy League schools. And I mean, you name it. We had it. We did it. I had vacation homes and jewelry and this and that. And it was so remarkable because what happened when that decision was made, it was so crystal clear that that was what I needed to do. But I don't want anyone here to think that that decision was made lightly. I still remember, you know, I was very blessed. I found this woman who worked specifically with women in transition. And I've fashioned so much of my work after the work that I did with her. But I remember like lying on her floor in her office in fetal position, like, how can I do this? How can I do this to my kids? How can I do this to my husband, my family, my extended family, everybody? And realizing that I was going to disappoint, I was going to disappoint them. And yet the weight of disappointing myself was far greater than the weight of disappointing them. And my therapist had said something to me that I'll never forget. And I want to share with everybody here. And that is, in order to have it all, you must be willing to risk it all. And that is true. If you want any level where you are feeling connected once again to your true self, 
you must be willing to risk disappointing others, losing others, having them walk away from you, not understand you. Nobody understood me, let's face it. And the truth of the matter is, how could they? They didn't experience what I experienced. I, just to make a long story short, one of these epiphanies happened to me in a teepee. I was at a family wedding and I was at a party and looked in the backyard and here's this authentic teepee. I couldn't contain myself. I was like sneaking out of the party just to get into it. And I got in and I pulled back those ceiling flaps and I felt it immediately. I started to have this very cosmic experience. And so I was lying down on the rugs and thinking, oh my God, I am the luckiest person in the world. And I started to, you know, just say how grateful I was for all of this when all of a sudden, like a ticker tape across my mind's eye, it says, how much longer do I have to do this, Lord? I bolted up, right? I had to jump out of the teepee because I vomited in the bushes. This was a, they call these those come to Jesus moments where the jig is up. That was me who asked that question. How much longer do I have to do this? And that was my higher self, you know, that came in. And, and in that moment, I had this realization that whatever I had been suppressing and working so hard to suppress was not going to have it any longer. It was here and I needed to look at it. And I remember going back home and trying to sweep it all under the rug because I'd become very masterful at doing that. Wasn't going to have it. Every time I turned around, there was another bit of evidence that my time had come and that I needed to make this decision. And like I said, I didn't take it lightly, but I've never looked back. And every step that I took in that direction, the universe provided for me everything that I needed in order to be safe and secure and to feel the peace if I was willing to reach for it. And I'll tell you what happened. It's like the whole world just fell away. And I learned to look only to my spirit for any evidence that I needed. In other words, I just learned to ask, is this for my highest good? And whatever that answer was, I was the one who had to cultivate the courage to follow it. It couldn't come from anyone else or anything else. And when I started to learn that and to surrender to that, I was led every step along the way. Yeah. And once you get to that moment where you have that realization, there isn't any going back. So I think... It's just my suspicion that I think a lot of people avoid that moment of knowing because all of us know deep inside that once you get to that place, the jig's up, like that's it. You're going to have to now stop doing the things that you know are not right for you and that are causing you to go down the spiral of despair and pretend you're not because nobody wants to admit that that's what's happening. 
Right. But we have to admit it actually to get healthy again. And I had a similar experience, although I was more feisty and flagrant and with my <laughs> experience, but I also was a big pleaser and I was, you know, trying to make it all work for everybody. And, and we did psychotherapy, it didn't help, you know, 20 years of that. And it's kind of like when you keep doing it and it's not working, that's the clue. It's like, <laughs> <You're right. laughs> okay, I we just had this conversation 20 times in a row and it's not yeah. shifting. Okay, this is not a go. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, But I was so determined that I wasn't going to have children that were a product of divorce because I was a product of divorce. And so I didn't want to give that legacy to my kids. So I was so determined I was going to force this marriage to work. <laughs> the thing is, you can't. Like, if, oh. it's, if you can't have a reasonable conversation with somebody and that pattern change, there's something going on there. And it took me 20 years to finally give up and go, you know, this is just making me miserable. And I'm trying right. to pretend I'm not. But look, now my behavior is deteriorating. And I'm becoming a person I never thought I would be because my needs are not met and I need to meet my needs. And what are those needs? So it was hard to leave, you know? And so, yeah, I'm glad that you brought up what you said, because it is hard to leave a marriage that, especially you've been in for 20, 30 years. It's really hard to walk away from that because you have built this legacy together. And we have this idea that, you know, gosh, I took so long to build all of this together. And uh, you don't want to start over from scratch, but sometimes starting over from scratch is actually the healing. It's like amazing how things flow when you're actually following your soul and listening to the the guidance. And yeah, it sounds crazy. Everyone thought I was insane too. They're like, what are you doing? You just, yeah, everybody has problems in their marriage. You just keep working on it. It's fine. Everybody has problems. No one's perfect. And just keep doing that. And it's like, well, not if it's deteriorating you on the inside. Like at the moment that you realize that you're falling apart on the inside, that's time to put a stop to that thing if you can't be, if it can't be healed. And I had also had physical symptoms that I just kept brushing off as part of normal aging. Well, there was nothing normal about it if after I went through this reclaiming of myself, all of a sudden they're gone. I mean, That tells you there's nothing normal about what you were experiencing. And, you know, we do all kinds of things to convince ourselves that it's normal. It's okay. Like I used to have these recurrent dreams and they were going on for at least a year. And in these dreams, I couldn't find my wedding ring. And so I would wake up in the middle of the night in a sweat. My heart would be pounding and I'd be ripping apart the covers or emptying out my drawer in my nightstand or, you know, like frantic. I couldn't find my wedding ring. Do you think I would allow myself to for a moment to admit that that was a panic attack? And it had everything to do with my marriage. And the problem was, is that I couldn't admit to anyone that I was so unhappy in my marriage that I my, I had outgrown our marriage, okay? But I couldn't admit it to anyone because number one, there were plenty of people who were against it from the beginning. Number two, as I said, I'm a pillar of this community, right? And from the outside, our lives were perfect. And to top it off, icing on the cake, we used to have people who came to us for marital advice. 
(laughs) (laughs) This sounds so familiar. Like this could be my life. I mean, yeah, because I was so good at being married. And presenting the image. Uh I'll tell you what my kids won't do now. And it's a totally a result of the way I parented them early on. They will not take those picture that pictures like that look like you're all happy. <laughs> the family photos, they won't do it. <laughs> like they will not take family photos. My my kids are like, no, we're not doing that. Yeah. And that's because I used to force them, right? To take those happy pictures right after an argument. And I just saw oh. somebody doing this like, like yesterday at brunch with my mom. And I was like, that was me. <laughs> I used to do that, like totally berate them and be like, get over here and get in line and do what you're yeah, supposed to do. Tuck and your then, shirt and take your, your now, smile, <laughs> smile, damn it. Smile. You know, it's like, that's not. And yeah. so because I stopped being so false, now I have this experience where I don't get the family pictures. And I'm like, okay, I really want some it's again okay. someday, but it'll happen when it's ready. Right. Like they, that just caused such a grating feeling for them. Like they just like, I can't stand that now because I know it's so false. And I see a lot of people engaged in that, you know, still creating that beautiful image of the first, you know, the baby's first born. Nobody takes a picture of the baby, like (laughs) like, totally (laughs) screaming, you know, like we just want to capture like the pretty moments and we want to pretend like that's the the whole truth and Mm -hmm. just forget all the other stuff. But your body doesn't lie. Like your, your body, body tells the truth. Lie. And then you're just gaslighting yourself. I mean, mm-hmm. we'll talk about living with narcissists and things like that. And hello, you know, I kind of had some of those patterns running in my family and I was exhibiting part of it and then yeah. also being an empath, you know, so I was like in it and also an empath. So like, I know what that's like. And the thing is that our whole culture is doing that. The entire culture is narcissistic and trying to pretend like everything's perfect and all in the light and monitoring over everything, but they're not admitting that there's like a lot of stuff going on under the surface that needs to be revealed. And so if you have emotions, that's unacceptable because our culture doesn't like that. If you um, get angry as a woman, well, there's names for you. Like you're crazy, you're wild, you're a bitch, whatever. Like, Of course. You know, not okay for you to call stuff out. So I often think back, Marcy, like over my marriage, I look back and I go, was I really crazy? Like, was I needing help? Or was it that just like my husband didn't like the fact that I would speak my mind and I didn't like this or that and don't, don't trot on me and I don't, don't do this. And I was speaking things I didn't like. And then over time, it's weird how the mind warping happened to the place where then oh. I, I couldn't speak my mind at all. There right. was some strange, like, I want to use the word whitewashing. I don't know if that's the right word here, but it's like strange it's a great word. Whitewashing yeah. away of my personality and myself sure. to appease this construct that we had created together. And And then what happened was, like the Pandora's box got opened up because somebody took me to a slumber party and they gave me a sex toy and I hadn't been having any of that for a long time. <laughs> so I got one and I was, and I had an experience that uh, you guys know what that is. And I was like, oh my God, I can feel this way. That's amazing. And yeah. the second breath, I was like, damn you. <laughs> I was pissed. Yeah. I was really angry that I had sure. missed out on all of this amazing experience in my body because of my own shame, because of my guilt, because of my, all the stuff in my childhood. There's so much stuff was stirred up. Right. And that I had, and I was mostly angry at myself that I had let myself become so mediocre. I know. Mediocre. 
And we had settled for so little. I settled. I settled for so much time and I tried to like eke out like little drops of love out of this this big old stone, you know? And I'm just like, (laughs) meanwhile, there was a whole waterfall of love around the corner. Yeah. I didn't yeah. need to squeeze that stone for a little drop of, of love. I could get it from the waterfall. But I had to know that that was there. And I didn't know, you know, and I think right. we don't. We're afraid, right? Yeah, sure. And I think also, you know, I think first off, you brought up such a great point, And that is sometimes it's so beyond our ability to even conceive that there's something more. And so what happens is we internalize that there must be something wrong with us. So again, if you looked at my life and everybody did, trust me, we were the envy of so many. It was perfection. And so what I carried within me, and this actually happened to me shortly after I came out of the teepee, I remember one, feeling this sense of doom. That was number one. Number two, I started to feel so guilty and had such a deep sense of shame because who the freak was I to ask for more? Look at what I had. And I also remember the entire weekend, I couldn't look anyone in the eye because I was so afraid that they could read my thoughts or read something in my eyes or read something somehow that I had just... I don't know, had maybe been disloyal to my husband and what we had created in that moment of transgression. How much longer do I have to do this, Lord? That was my truth. That was a part of me. That was my heart crying out. How much longer do I have to do this? Crying out for something that, okay, so it's kind of like, in this artificial world that we, our egos create, right? And we yeah. are living according to the ego. In this artificial world, we get out of a huge buffet and we're so hungry and we eat like every last thing on that buffet and we have like all the stuff. Yeah. And we're still hungry. It exactly. doesn't fill us. And I don't know about your relationship, but in mine, Part of what I knew for a long time I needed to fill in myself was depth. Like I needed depth. I needed something deeper. I needed the ocean of depth. I needed deeper conversations. I needed purpose. I needed a connection to something bigger. I knew there was something I was missing. I would find myself walking my my little baby around the block and stopping in front of the spiritual center and just looking. Wow. And wanting to go in and not going because my husband had said, oh, those places are just a business and they're a ripoff and they'll just take your money. And I was like, well, I can't go in if we don't agree on it. And and I needed to go in that place. And actually that place might've saved our marriage if I'd have gone in there. If I had gone in there and I'd said, I just became a mom. All of a sudden I'm not getting along with my husband. I feel like he's too small for me now. I I yeah. I need bigger support. I am not getting it. I'm depressed. All of this stuff, they would have said, oh, you're in the transition into your divine feminine and your maternal yes. archetype. And your husband is not prepared for that. And he needs to understand some things. And you need to understand some things. 
it's like if we would have if I'd have gone in there, they would have known. I know they would have known because all spiritual people understand this. Sure. You know, that you just went through a transition. Now you need your soul. You're not it's not okay anymore. You need your stuff. You cannot you can't just be a shell and pretending anymore. There's no once you're a mom, there's no more pretending. The baby screams. My baby cried for like a year and a half for like no good reason. Why is this kid crying all the time? Well, I think he didn't want to be on earth after he decided to come here. He was like, wait a second, I would take it back. (laughs) This is hard. But you can't, you know, you gotta hold space for that. That's real. That's like devastating. It's heart-wrenching. It's like you know, it's exhausting and you're tired and you're grumpy and you can't put on the perfect face anymore because it's like, it's hard to do that. And there's like, just seems like nothing that used to fill the void is filling it anymore because it's time for soul. You know, it's it's time to get beyond the shallow space of the ego. Yep, exactly right. And, you know, I think I think when we finally are in those positions where, I don't know about you, Carrie, I don't know if you felt this way, but I actually felt like my spirit was dying. I was afraid that if I didn't take these steps to free myself, that I would die. I had that realization even then that the whatever I was experiencing physically, like I had constant headaches, constant digestive problems. I had issues with my hips. I couldn't get up out of a chair. I mean, all of these things, I could feel my body deteriorating. And I knew that the only way to save myself was to step out of the facade of the life that I was living. And I think what's so hard too so much for women in particular, because, you know, we have all of these different programs, right, that were sort of shuttled through. But I think also we've bought into our own fantasies and dreams. And so there's part of us then that starts to feel guilty about giving up on those. And I know letting go of my dreams, the dreams that I thought were going to fulfill me to ready myself for dreams that I had no idea even what they were. Only this blind trust that whatever I was going to experience was what I needed for my healing as well as for my fullest expression of me. You know, moving into those territories where we've never been before in physical form, I started to have these visualizations of how my team was like constantly picking me up, you know, like just, okay, one more step. Okay, one more step. It was also during that time that I developed such a strong relationship with this team inside of me. I mean, I remember even just one of those times, for instance, you know, being in fetal position on the floor and actually seeing in my mind's eye this golden rope coming down. And all I I knew that I just had to put my hands on it. And I remember like feeling so not even sure if I could do that. And I, to this day, remember the sensation of feeling hands around mine and placing them on that rope. It's like 
no matter what I needed, it was there. And then moving into those places where we have no idea what's waiting for us, it's not scary anymore. It takes on more of an invitation. And that's something I want our audience to know. Everything shifts. And you step in to that place where you just know you go over that threshold. And you don't even need to trust anymore. The trust is really temporary. It's a temporary necessity. Once you step over that threshold of surrender, you're full on into knowingness because the universe just piles up all of this evidence. And it's like being a kid in a candy shop almost. How about this? How about that? You know, Esther Hicks talks about that. How about that? How about this? Let's let's have some of this. Try this out. You know, and that's the way it is. It's the most remarkable experience, but you have to cultivate that courage to enter into what I call a self-love lifestyle, where it's a commitment for your own expansion and expression at all costs. Yeah. And some of those costs are discomfort, right? I mean, you're going to feel uncomfortable. Most of them. (laughs) Yeah, because you're being refined and realigned out of the conditioned way of being, which was the fake self and into something new. So it's kind of like if you were covered up with a bunch of like mud and then there was some sandpaper that spirit was using to sandpaper the mud off of you (laughs) so that your true self underneath can actually see the light of day. Yeah, that's kind of that's why it's uncomfortable because that's being like removed and you feel it in your body like and it feels uncomfortable. You might get uncomfortable feelings or just sensations or you might just feel ucky or you might feel shame. You know, you might feel shame, that shame that you're repressed and this, all the time. This yep. happy face on, you know, and because you, you just wanted to take the picture and then you suppress the shame. And when I don't have time for that right now, I'm taking my happy holiday picture <laughs> like you're ashamed because you just yelled at your kid. Yeah. I mean, but you just stuff that because in the moment you don't want to deal with that. You just want the happy picture because the person's there to take the picture. You know, it's like some people looked at you and then you you saw it and you, you didn't have time. You didn't take the time to process it. And that's really the difference too. It's like, there's such a backlog, like that ocean underneath the surface is just so much of that stuff that you just never stop to deal with and comfort yourself with. So like, talk about how you run it through the heart filter. I remember you said that to me, Um, before, but you call it hard shifting. So like running everything through the heart filter in order to live this new way. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So this happens in a couple of ways, but the most powerful way is when you are consciously aware of when you are being manipulated by the energy of the ego, when you are being separated from your true self by fear, by the guilt, by the shame that you were referring to. So when we develop the conscious awareness of what's happening, like you said, very often we just sort of divert, right? We toss it under the rug like I used to do, all of that. I don't want to look at it. But our true power comes from the fact that, number one, we are creators, right? But we have this capacity to transmute energy. But 
what happens is that most people try to use the mind to do that. And that's why they end up like the hamster on the wheel. And you get into these behavioral patterns, these belief patterns that continue to create what feels like sabotage in your life. So when we develop this conscious awareness that is actually probably our greatest superpower is that we can then choose to simply utilize the systems that have been placed within us to transcend that. We need to transform the energy. Any energy that's coming from that ego frequency is going to be dense and it has zero, zero, zero capacity to create. It produces effects. You are a creator. You need energy that is filled with light to create with. So what we do with heart shifting is we learn to take the dense energy through the heart systems, and they are systems. It is a process where we are injecting that dense energy with light energy. And what happens then is that, I mean, think about it, right? You have something dense and you're pumping in light, pumping in light. What happens? Goes, right? And all the light is set free. The density is dispersed. And now all of this light is now accessible for you to choose what you would like to utilize it to create with. So it is the most miraculous thing for us simply to discover this because this is the true us. This is how we were created to create. And every single one of us is here to create with the highest frequencies of energy possible because that's what creates the worlds that we want and deserve to be living in. So this is a method where in our conscious use of our free will, which is what governs the entire universe here, is, or I should say our world, this free will to say, you know what, that's not going to serve me. That's not going to do me or anybody else any good. I need to bring that through my heart. Your heart already knows what to do. It's been calibrated because it is source connected. It already knows what to do. But because this is a free will frequency or world or universe, if you want to call it so, we must initiate that. So when you hear people say, send the light in there, the truth is, is that we must bring it to the light. You must bring the density to the light because that free will must be engaged in this process. And you allow that light, again, already knows exactly what to do. And it will transmute that energy, freeing it once again so that you can utilize it for whatever it is that you want to create. So 
it's a process really of stepping into alignment with your own God self, your own goddess self, your own creative powers, and stepping into the fullness of you. And what happens is you are dissolving that separation with every choice to bring that energy in. So like you said earlier, it's going to feel uncomfortable. It's going to take you right out of your comfort zone. It's also going to feel counterintuitive because we're so programmed to live in that ego energy and those frequencies. And so that discomfort is actually the key. It tells you what must come through your heart. It actually is telling you what's waiting to go through your heart. You know, that's so interesting because a lot of times people will think that trusting their intuition is noticing that they don't want to do something and then following that. And what I often say, because it was through my own personal inquiry, I realized, oh, some things I don't want to do because it's my ego that doesn't want to do that thing because that thing's actually going to help me heal and reclaim more of my soul. Absolutely. And it doesn't want that. So it's like making me think I don't was getting, you know, I'm getting confused or doubtful about this thing that I already signed up for and that I'm not sure. And I always tell people, if you sign up for a transformational container, do the whole thing from start to finish and don't quit because your ego gets in there and it's like, nah, it, it, along the way, it'll, it'll say, this is getting a little too close to me. And then you won't want to do it anymore. There'll be excuses, right? That's right. And I always tell everyone, remember your ego's worst nightmare is that you remember who you are. Worst nightmare, no longer has control over you. So if you're experiencing fear, that's the ego. So what happens is when you start to create this conscious awareness, one of the layers that you will find is actually contributing to that awareness is is energy discernment. So this is something like when I'm working with my clients, that's from my perspective, the most important thing that we need to develop because it's then going to feed our conscious awareness. But here's also why it's so important. Because the ego is such a master of disguise, it will, you know, just bring on all of these experiences over and over and over again. And every time it's wearing a different hat, it's cuter than the next, it's, it is disguised. So we must be able to discern that energy through the sensations that it provides for us in our energy field. That's the key to being able to have clear like information, being able to access it quickly, because that ego, regardless of how it's disguised, you will be able to discern that in your field as opposed to the energy of your higher self, those higher frequencies, they feel completely different. And how your higher self is actually communicating with you is it's using your body with these physical sensations. And it does that because it knows that your mind can get stuck in the muck very easily. 
Right? Yeah, this, this is lost. <laughs> this is why my soul like goes through my body and then will go. Nope. Exactly. Like, <laughs> It'll go, <laughs> and I'll be like, okay, my neck hurts now. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because I'm shaking I, my head. Yeah. I feel these, I call them God bumps all yeah. the time. Uh-huh. Or there are other sensations. Like I'm sure you've heard somebody say, oh, that left a bad taste in my mouth. There's a Not reason the same. for that. Okay, but now, Marcy, <laughs> I want to say this because this is like, this just, when you were speaking, I was like, oh my God. So here's a little conundrum. When you're faced with a choice, let's say somebody offers you something, a choice, the fact that you're being offered the choice is the clue, right? I mean, just the fact that you found your way to it and you're being offered the choice that is the clue. And so a lot of people will go, well, how do you know if I have an authentic no? Well, to me, the authentic no is neutral. It's like neutral, but also like it wouldn't even show up. Like if it's not for me, it wouldn't even necessarily show up on my field. So there's also that question, you know, it's something to play around with everybody. I mean, that just came to me. I haven't really fully digested it yet. So just yeah. kind of like hang out with it for a while. But if everything's perfect, and, and I'm pretty sure it is, you wouldn't even run across that if it wasn't being invited to you. So Exactly. And if I can tantalize you even <laughs> further, okay, from the consciousness of love, right? There is no right or wrong. There is no good or bad. There is no judgment of any kind. So whatever experience that you choose is for your highest good. Even when you experience something that doesn't quite feel so good. So because you then are given yet another opportunity, and you always are, to make another choice. So, but here's what happens. As you are, and I love what you said about being in a transformational program, stick until the end. You have no idea what that transformation is going to be. But here's what I'll guarantee you. You will always be raising your vibrational frequency. And as we raise our vibrational frequency, those choices that we make will be coming from that frequency. So that's why all of this work is so absolutely essential to our well-being, to our happiness, and to our ability to feel the connectedness to all of life, which is what we are meant to feel because it is a reminder that source is so expansive. We cannot even conceive of it. And everything that we're connected to is part of that. So that feeling of connection is our guiding light. When you feel the connection, path is clear. Yeah. Feelings. That's why we feel it to heal it. And that's why I pay attention to feelings and body sensations and things like that, because you cannot trust your mind. And especially if you've been, okay, so some of you people in my audience have been walking this path for a long time. And at some point you start to think, you know, it, you're like, oh, I know, I know, I know. And that is a dangerous place to be. I've also realized beginner's mind that that's why that is a major spiritual teaching, (laughs) because that's how we get back into innocence and we learn. Because our minds, the ego is 
Richard Rudd says that somewhere in the Gene Keys books, I can't remember which one it is. I think it's number 12, the vanity, the shadow of vanity, which is what the ego, right? He's like, the ego is like the lichen on the rocks at the high mountain. Like it's still clinging. Like it's all the way up there. You're at the highest mountain of your spiritual awakening. And there it is. So, you know, we just have to know that. We have to know that um, that's part of this experience. We came here to experience it. We came here to bring our divinity into this human consciousness. And that's what we're doing. And it's not a problem that it's happening or it's not a problem that you react or that you have something go on. It's like, you don't have to like contort yourself. You know, just yeah. be yourself. <laughs> because you're 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 also having this human experience and you're meant to be allowing yourself to do that. So don't beat yourself up over anything that you think that you've done wrong or you should have made a different, you know, decision or this or that. That's what we have to get rid of. We have to get rid of those beliefs because that is self-sabotage. If we could just say, oh my God, this playground is incredible and go down the slide and, and you know, go down head first and face plant and brush ourselves off and say, woo, what you go, go down the other way next. Yeah, but I think I'm going to try it on my butt this time. You know, this is how we're meant to be doing this life. And so we have to let go of all of that conditioning and programming that tells us that it's supposed to be like this. Because that's false. Those are false beliefs. Yeah, it leads to an empty glass house that uh, is very cold to live in. So we want to. We want warmth and vibrancy and beauty and and vitality and all the good stuff. So, Marcy, thank you so much for what a beautiful um, conversation that we had. I, I wonderful. Uh, yeah, so grateful for it. And I want everyone to know that Marcy has gifted us uh, the How to Shift from Self-Sabotage to Self-Love in Five Days ebook. And I'll give you guys the link in the show notes so you have access to that. And um, is there any last moment of wisdom you want to share before we head into kisses? We're going to give everybody kisses. Yeah, well, other than that, I'd like to invite everyone to join me on Facebook in my private group, Self-Love and Heart Shifts. I'm in there every day talking about this stuff. And from my perspective, it's essential. I also want to invite everyone to um, register for my uh, television program that I do with Amy Shade. And Carrie's going to be a um, visitor there, an expert speaker. It's called The Heart-Centered Woman. And we are all in this together learning how to live from our hearts rather than our heads and just being in the life that is gifted through us for us through us for us beautiful i love that well okay everyone i'll put that i'll put all those links in the show notes you better check that out and reminder please like share subscribe leave a comment um, in all the places you can subscribe on YouTube, on iTunes, and all the various places that it belongs out there in the world, and uh, share it out. You know, on your social, tag me if you want. Carrie Hummingbird, Sami, tag me on Facebook or um, Instagram, or I'm on Twitter too. LinkedIn, you can find me, and just share it out if you really found power in this conversation. Uh, that's one way you can support the work and getting out there greater. Okay, and now we're going to give you kisses because we love you and we appreciate you for staying all the way to the end and improving our ratings as well. <laughs> Here we go. Here come the kisses. Mm-hmm. We love you and we'll see you next week on Soul Nectar Show. Bye for now, everyone.
Thank you. If you found even one gold nugget in this episode of Soul Nectar Show, will you do us a favor? Will you subscribe, like, and share this episode? Maybe even write a comment and let us know what you thought about it. We really, really want to engage with you at a much deeper level. Let's be part of community together. Have a great week, everyone. Bye for now. To dive in deeper to nourishing conversation, visit soulnectar.show. Take a sip from the drip of nectar, from the source of who you are.